This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And again by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry. Well, what happened? Yeah. What is this? <laughs> Everyone's eight, eight scoring. <laughs> is this as many goals as they put up all year? Like, yeah, yeah. They uh, season high this? right there. I think seven oh, was man. season high. <laughs> I, I'd like I to look back more. over their last eight games and see if they put up eight goals. Just, I mean, this was just a ridiculous game. Even, yeah. even for the people who want the tank still, yeah. if they're going to win, this is the way you want to win. You win yeah. eight to two. Troy Terry has a three-point <laughs> night. And Max Jones caps it off with 11 seconds to go to get his first NHL goal. And then you couple in with the fact like Henry gets two, Ricard Raquel gets goals in back-to-back games. Like literally everything that could have went well went well. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, and if you're embracing the tank, you want to see him do bad. Just think of it this way: they they got all the goals out. They just they they finally like all right, we've had enough goals now. So maybe maybe there's a little let back after that. But uh, yeah, way to capitalize on a team playing back-to-back. And uh, doesn't play uh, the Ducks particularly well in Anaheim, but whew, that was fun. That was that's every it. Way. That, that's that's the rest of the goals they're going to score for about the next ten games. Yeah, right. If they've done themselves out. Well, I yeah. guess there's no more talk about the uh, the franchise low uh, offense then for the season. Now they've pretty much blown past that with this game. Even if they get shut out four more times this year, they're probably well and clear of getting to that point. Um, mm-hmm. We're obviously going to get into this game, but there's a couple of things that happened uh, before the start of the game. Kevin Waugh and Sam Steele were both sent back down to San Diego because you had some guys like Derek Grant coming back. Devin Shore was completely healthy and played another game. And uh, Ryan Kessler was out. Brandon Gooley's still hurt as well. Uh, but you have a couple of guys checking back in, so at least uh, you can send them down and give them some time in San Diego and get mm-hmm. some of the guys like Richie Shore, Grant back into the lineup. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was. Uh, only, I think they were on emergency turn basis only. Is the only reason they were up. So uh, once those reasons kind of went away, and uh, the other guys came back, they they needed to play, and uh, they they looked good. Shore looked good. He got a goal, so that was awesome to see. Uh, I think it was the game winner too. I think it was the third goal. So yeah, uh, it was good. You know, those guys need to go down, but the guys that uh, you know stepped in is just all around. Ducks are looking good. Yeah, and uh, then you get Jacob Larson coming in and playing with Cam Fowler. And Cam, all of a sudden, playing on his offside, which I never would have thought. He looks like a completely different player for some reason. And and he's been with Gooley. Now he's been with Larson. And he's been really good over the last few games. And, and to be fair, most of the Ducks have been good. And, and the Ducks as a team have been playing well. 
over that span. But Cam just seems to be at home on the right side of the fence, which is something I thought I would never say. Yeah, that's that was something I think I brought up a little while back. I didn't know how important it was for defensemen to play on their side or play their offside because I didn't think it was much of a difference. Uh, but uh, him swinging into you know his offside seems to be working, and I think it works well not only with uh, the players that he's ended up playing with, but it's also working well just under the new system and the new kind of free flowing and the more emphasis on the defense jumping into the plays or helping facilitate some of that offense. That's kind of right in Camp Beller's wheelhouse, trying, you know, box him in to play, you know, a lot of defense and not so much on the offense. It doesn't bode well. But ever since we've had that coaching change, he's been noticeably quicker, faster in on the play and just making smarter decisions offensively with the puck. Yeah, exactly. And then obviously the other pairings we saw, what we've seen pretty much since Brandon Montour got traded, it's Lindholm and Manson and Magna and Holzer, and they were pretty good this game. Lindholm and Manson had, had an excellent game, and so did Larson and Fowler. And I, I got to credit uh, Holzer and Magna for, for just not being horrible, right? Like that, <laughs> they, they, get, they deserve some credit for that. They deserve, deserve some credit for not being horrible since being put together because we would have looked at that pairing and said, oh, boy, this is going to be maybe not as bad as Boschman Bieksa, but it's, yeah. it's pretty close because you know, they're, they're borderline uh, NHL guys and you, know, yeah. you have to throw them out there together and it gets a bit scary, but they've been okay. Yeah, and they're they're two big guys, so generally speaking, big guys tend to be a little bit slower, but that's why they're kind of in the, that 5-6 range in the defense. But yeah, we, we kind of touched it uh, a little bit on the last podcast. I mean, for 5-6, they're doing good. You know, At that point, just don't be a liability. I don't think they are, and they've got a physical presence, which is also really nice to have around Gibby or Miller, whoever's in net. So well, I like them as 5-6. It's working out pretty well. Um, you know, let the other forwards worry more about offense, chip in if you can, like Magna did uh, the uh, last game against St. Louis. Yeah, and let's let's get into the game here because there was a ton, obviously, that happened in this one. And it opens up with the first or the third question we had for Forever Mighty Three Stars getting answered where the, the first penalty of the game for the Ducks goes to Nick Ritchie for interference. I feel like anytime <gasps> we ask that question, right? Like anytime we ask that question, Nick Ritchie probably is about 90% of the answers because generally he is the guy who gets the first penalty or, or gets most of the penalties in the games for the Ducks. I think he had two in this game anyway. But uh, anyway, they, the, the Ducks go to the penalty kill and not a lot of chances for Montreal. And, and a lot of it was because Max Jones has turned out to be an excellent yeah. penalty killer. And he created a couple offensive chances and not just creating offense, uh, similar to, you know, what we see or what we saw from Andrew Cogliano when he was exactly. on the penalty kill, yeah. where he'd use his speed to create chances and he'd always put defenders on the back foot. Max Jones mm -hmm. does that. But then just like Cogliano, he also is good on the defensive side of the puck as well. Yeah, and uh, I hope he doesn't turn into that Cogliano type where he can't score either. <laughs> Fortunately, I uh, kind of solves it a little bit here, but uh, I'd hate to be, uh, you know, watch him be, you know, somewhat of a replica of Cogliano in that respect. But he's he's quickly becoming one of my favorite penalty killers with that speed and that um, the size and his willingness to actually take the puck to the other end and create those chances. It it kind of creates a little bit of a disruption for any power play that, that has to play against them. Um, it does help that it's Montreal and they had the worst power play uh, in the NHL. I think they'd only scored one out of the last 26 going into the game. So, yeah. you know, take advantage of that team's bad and they bobble or they, you know, they, they've lost confidence, you know, go after them. So. Yeah. And that would lead to the first goal of the game, 
for the Ducks. And uh, a guy that's been in and out of the lineup, not due to injury, but due to healthy scratch every now and then, and that's Daniel Sprong. And this is why he needs to be in the lineup, because yeah. he has a shot like this, where he walks in, creates enough space for himself, fires it through a defenseman, and just picks the top corner on one of the best goaltenders in the league. Carey Price is still a very good goaltender, and he's been playing well lately. This is a perfect shot against mm-hmm. an experienced netminder. And this is what Daniel Sprong brings to the lineup. I mean, up until this point and a little bit after this, and even I guess you could say for the whole entire first period, Daniel Sprong was probably the Ducks' most effective forward, and he ends up getting the first goal of the game. Yeah, that was that was a great shot. And like you said, uh, that that's kind of what he brings in most of his goals tend to be that, that top-shelf uh, variety. Uh, he brings a lot of speed with him as well, and a little bit of tenacity on the puck. So, yeah, I'm still perplexed why they they sit him as much as they do, um, you know, or make him healthy scratches because he will provide a lot more offense. Um, I guess, you know, I don't know the exact reason if they, they're not happy with his defensive play, but I still don't even see a real problem with that. Uh, so keep him in there because he's going to help facilitate goals. That's his, what, his 10th uh, of the season or something like that? Yeah, it's 10th goal of the season. So it was yeah. a good one against a very good goaltender. And then things started to get a bit chippy after there, um, mm-hmm. kind of out of nowhere. And Jonathan Duran, uh, the whistle goes, he skates in and decides to say, hey, I'm just going to throw it into an empty net. Mm-hmm. Ducks didn't really like that <laughs> too much. And they never will. You generally see guys react like that when they yeah. shoot on the goaltender. And, and I honestly believe that Duran just didn't hear the whistle and because he doesn't react after. Like, he kind of just skates into the corner, then they just jump him. And I'm mm-hmm. obviously not happy with that play. But some bad blood, I guess. I mean, you're always going to be upset when that happens. But it was a chippy game early on. And, and, you know, these teams don't meet that often. And they didn't really have any bad blood in the last game that they played, if I remember correctly. So just a, an interesting concept to the beginning part of the game. Yeah, it was uh, that that one. I, I'm not going to blame too much on Druin just because that whistle was late. The linemen were kind of late on a couple of whistles. They were late on an icing whistle against Montreal as well later in the period. But yeah, like you said, I mean, he, he, he was kind of coming in as making a deke. And then it's like a whole bunch of whistles came because he was still going. And then he just kind of it was kind of mid move and then just didn't really care about where the puck went. And it was just going in to the net. Uh, it wasn't a hard shot. It wasn't anything. He just kind of like let the puck go. But uh, yeah. It's weird. For some reason, you got to do that because that's kind of like, oh, you're trying to put it in on a goalie. And uh, I, I think it's more of like a, jeez, um, um, what's the, the word I'm thinking of? Um, where it's something, not tradition. <laughs> Throw me a line. Where it's a bad. Um, I don't know what you're trying to pull up. I get what you're saying. I get what, I, I get what you're saying. I, I understand. I mean, you, you bad luck react. or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. But the bad omen? Is that what you mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of. What is it? Superstition. There you go. Yeah. You've got to react. I feel. I feel like Max Jones right there. Just <sighs> done. Tried, yeah, trying for <laughs> so long it. and then you finally got it. Yeah. Um, that was Derek totally a, worth it. <laughs> Derek in our chat had a quick question. He said, "Who took Kessler's spot tonight?" Uh, it was Carter Rowney who ended up centering the fourth line, and Corey mm-hmm. Perry dropped down to the fourth line to be on the wing. So essentially. I guess you could say Carter Rowney took Kessler's spot, but Perry took his spot on the fourth line for yeah. tonight's game. Um, a weird play happened right after Duran decided to shoot the puck in the back of the net a couple minutes later. Uh, Petri fires a puck that bounces off the glass and takes a ridiculous bounce, like a full-on bounce right off the back of the boards or the glass and out in front above John Gibson. And he plays it as cool as any goaltender I think I've ever seen play that type <laughs> of play. where He doesn't even move, doesn't really look yeah. back. Just 
catches it over his head. And it's mm-hmm. like, nah, whatever. It wasn't that big of a deal. He tracked it really well. Two, two things about that seemingly, you know, nothing play is if the Ducks are going to have a bad game, that 100%, he doesn't follow that. It hits him in the back of the helmet and goes in the net. That's number one. Uh, number two, the second thing is just the fact that he actually did track it with his head. It went up and over. He looked, he heard it, looked over his left shoulder, and just washed it to his glove. So when a goalie is, a shot's already come back, but he's trying to track where it is, that's generally, he's he's locked in. He's, he's puck focused. He's trying to find it. So that's usually kind of like just little things that tend to uh, catch my eye on uh, whether or not a goalie or a team's going to have a good game or a good enough game, I guess. It's small. Yeah, but... No, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, and then after that, as we mentioned, Daniel Sprong had a really solid start to this game. And uh, he got another chance where he broke in again. But Price uh, made a good save to deny him. Lindholm with a couple turnovers, some questionable puck management, which we've not only seen from him in this game, but over the last couple games. He's, he's yeah. just made a couple decisions where you just scratch your head and you, you're wondering. like This isn't typical Hampus Lindholm, and, and it led to a scramble in front of the net. Ultimately, it didn't go into the back of the net. But Lindholm's made a couple of these plays over the last few games. And, you know, they've generally been good as a pairing because they, they they usually are, Lindholm and Manson. But, we've been, you know, a couple of mistakes. It was a really bad game by Hampus Lindholm against the Chicago Blackhawks where the last two goals were pretty much his fault. And he's made a couple of mistakes here and there in every game. And I, I, that's going to come when you're playing as many minutes, as many hard minutes as he is every night. But it's more noticeable than it has been in the past. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like you said, that, that'll start to happen as we start getting into the uh, 70 game mark uh, for the ducks. And as long as the season has been for him, you, you'll see a little bit of that. Um, you know, it, I'm not going to read too much into it. Like it's you know, something in his game yeah. or anything like that. It's just more or less, maybe a little tired. Yeah, no, I, I, it makes sense. And I can see it at this point, the, the, the amount of minutes this guy's played this year. And, and again, we always see the hard minutes that Hampus Lindholm has to play. Power play, penalty kill, five on five against the opposing team's best players. It's going to get to you at game 69 in the season, and it's going to continue to get to him until the end of the year. Um, then the Ducks would get their second goal of the game. Adam Henrique quietly having himself a good season. You know, a lot of people were on about trading him at the deadline, and I was one of those people. <coughs> not because mm-hmm. he hasn't, not because mm-hmm. he had, he, not, not, not because he hasn't played well, but um, because I think like he was contract. having an average season for mm-hmm. him, which about close to a 20-goal season, possibly a 40-point year for him. And he had some value, and he shows why he has that value. He's playing on a line today with uh, Troy Terry, and those two were the best duo of the night. And Troy Terry digs the puck out in the corner, gets a, a little backhand pass to Adam Henrique, and then it's all it's all Henrique after this. He just drives mm-hmm. to the net, breaks through three Montreal Canadian <laughs> players, and and slots it around Carey Price. I, I mean, there's four yeah. Montreal Canadians standing in the path of Adam Henrique, and he yeah. just muscles his way through. And it's a, kind of a bad play by Adam uh, by Carey Price to get super aggressive on that and try for the poke check, but a, a great move by Adam Henrique, and he gets his 15th of the year. Yeah, that's an odd one for Carey Price to have to do whatever he was going to try and do on that one because Henrique just, yeah, he got it and just shot past the, all the guys around him. And then there was another Montreal defenseman on the other side of the net who really didn't do anything to try and stop Henrique from getting to the front of the net. I think Carey Price is thinking, okay, I probably, my defenseman's back here. He's not going to let him just walk in. I've got to stop this half. But 
Uncle Rico just goes right around him and just gets you know a little bit longer around there and uh, gets around that leg. It was it was a weird soft play by Montreal, uh, you know, and Carey Price guessed wrong on it, but you know, good for uh, Henrique to just yeah power move it all the way across. Wouldn't last long, unfortunately, because Montreal's <laughs> yeah twenty four seconds later the Ducks would get hemmed in and a shot pass to Andrew Shaw glides through the high slot. He shoots a quick backhand far side. Gibby makes the save, but the rebound goes right off his pad, right to Paul Byron, and he makes it 2-1. Kind of a deflating moment for the Ducks because they were playing a pretty strong period. John Gibson was having a good game, and then you just get one of those rebounds where it just ends up going right to an opposing player, and it always is disappointing this late in the, in, the, in a period when you just, you just score, and 24 mm-hmm. seconds later, the other team is about to get right back into it. Obviously, Montreal would shoot themselves in the foot and, and take out all momentum from that goal because they'd take, <laughs> they would take back-to-back penalties. Yeah. And the Ducks would start the second on a five-on-three. But if that doesn't happen, you know, that's that's a bad way to end a period. You you had the chance there to get Montreal all the momentum back. Yeah, for sure. Kind of a, a little bit of a turning point there, uh, or at least it, it could have been in Montreal's favor. But like you said, they shot themselves in the foot. That one, um, the Ducks, there was a couple uh, chances for them to, to clear it out. Uh, Larson, I think, uh, lost the puck on an easy chance to kind of get it up and out. Uh, and and he, he turned it over, the puck in, you know, stayed around the boards and then got back to the point. And then, and then it was just, from there, it was kind of a broken play that, Kind of slap shot, kind of pass, and then Shaw kind of stops it and quickly throws it back in. There's, it was just all kind of broken down. Gibby had to make that leg save, but at the same time, it was going against the grain on a weird stop and shoot. So, uh, you know, that, those ones go in, but uh, more more disappointed in the fact they didn't get it out before it ever got to that point. That was just kind of the, the end result of uh, not getting out of the zone. But that was Larson's first game uh, back, I believe, in a little while. So, yeah. Um, so uh, you know, maybe a little bit of rust there at the end. The yeah, he's been he's been up and down, but he's he, this is his first time back in the lineup since the call up. But mm-hmm. uh, the Ducks would end the period up two one shots twelve to nine, pretty solid period for Anaheim. Unfortunately, like we mm-hmm. said, they do they do allow the one goal, but and not much you can do on that play. And and they end up starting the second period with a five on three. And on the initial five-on-three, the Ducks actually had some good chances. Getzloff had about three one-timers where Carey Price made a couple good saves and then Getzloff just obliterated the boards right on the the far (laughs) side of the net, just barely missing. But some good play. I mean, you expect this on a five-on-three where you're going to get a lot of cross-ice passes and some good chances. And and the Ducks came close a lot of times to to potting a goal on the five-on-three. Unfortunately, they couldn't. But goes to the five-on-four. A shot from the point by Nick Ritchie is deflected on net by Corey Perry. It comes loose to Devin Shore, who ends up throwing it into an empty net. This guy is just all over the place with this team. Again, we've, we've talked about a lot of guys. What are you doing? There is a, a mat that is flying around and, like, <laughs> close to my face. I'm trying to hit it with a Ducks game game day that I got yesterday. Oh, this thing's going to annoy the hell out of me. If something hits me in the face, you know what it was. Well, Avenge me. Yeah. Avenge me. <laughs> Let's get let's get back to Devin Shore's goal. He throws it into an empty net on the power play. This guy's doing everything. He's penalty kill. He's on the power play. He's doing well centering a line, which I believe he was with Silverberg uh, today as well. And uh, a guy who normally plays on the wing, played center before he got drafted, has shifted back into the middle of the ice for Anaheim. And he's been doing really well since moving into that center position. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's good to see him, you know, come back from what could have been, you know, a really bad injury. I think he just barely escaped that with a Charlie horse. So 
Uh, he gets back into the lineup, and uh, that whole play was just, uh, you know, scrambling front and then him, you know, just doing the hard work and really kind of fishing that puck out, staying with it, and then burying it. And he looked so happy. <laughs> he was, he was, yes, got it. <laughs> I'm just surprised this guy's even back in the lineup after that Ian Cole hit. I mean, yeah. that hit was brutal. And I thought he was going to be out for a long period of time. And just to see this guy back in so quickly, luckily he only had a Charlie horse, which still hurts. It still sucks for him to have to go. Oh, man, it still part. knocked him out for another game. I mean, that's, that's brutal. Yeah, <laughs> no, exactly. But, you know, for him to be back in the lineup right now, especially with Ryan Kessler dealing with hip uh, issues, which is, is normal for him, obviously. Um, it's nice to have a guy who can move into the center of the ice and provide some depth for the Ducks. And the same goes for Carter Rowney, who ended up moving from where he's normally been this year on right wing to center, which uh, it really helps the Ducks to be able to have some of these guys because they, they don't really want to have to play Ricard Raquel at center if they don't have to. And when you can have a left winger in shore, go to center and be comfortable there and a right winger in Rowney move to center and be comfortable there. It's really invaluable to your team, even in a bad season for the ducks to be able to have that type of interchangeability. Sure. On, uh, yeah. That, that depth on their team. Yeah. yeah the um, versatility that they, they kind of lost a little bit with Cogliano. I feel that, uh, they have a, a few other guys, and Shore is one of them. I mean, they traded for him. It's kind of that that interchangeable part that can play kind of on any line. So, yeah, and it, they've had a lot of those guys before. And Derek Grant has been that guy, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, in the past, Antoine Vermette was that type of yeah. player as well. So the, the Ducks always seem to have a couple of those guys who are able to do that. Um, but right after the goal, the Ducks were getting too many men in the ice penalty. Likely they mm-hmm. killed it off, but they're doing everything they can to try and not get themselves <laughs> uh, ahead in this game. Yeah. Um, another you know, chance by by Armia where he breaks in and Ryan Getzlaff has a very good back check to strip the puck and, and Armia oh, was in yeah. a prime scoring area too and it was a great back check by Getzlaff to get back there and make the play um, mm-hmm. but the Ducks would get a, a penalty again Magna for cross checking and at this point it was just too many chances for Montreal before they, they would convert on this one and it was Shea Weber with his patented just bomb from the point it wasn't a one-timer but he doesn't yeah. really need to to put that much power behind it. Gibson did not even see this. It, it blows right by him. Surprised it didn't rip a hole in the back of the head. And <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it ends up being 3-2 at this point. But again, I mean, John Gibson had a really strong game. Not much you can do on the rebound chance of Byron. And, and nobody is stopping this. I mean, it's Shea Weber. He arguably has the best slap shot in the entire game, especially the hardest slap shot. And if he gets it anywhere, if he finds a hole that normally you might be able to close up on a guy who doesn't have as hard of a shot, his shots went about 20 miles per hour faster. So it's going to, it's going to find that hole. Yeah. You, you always hear uh, uh, Brian Hayward say, Oh, he's got a heavy shot. Uh, there's something to that. And it's, it's when those shots, even if they're fast, there's just, it's weird. Certain players have a shot that it can hit you and it just somehow still goes through. Even if it's quick, there's certain ones that come quick, but you're still able to corral it. These ones just, it's an odd thing. They just have more force behind it. And it's just we it's a weird thing to describe, but he's definitely one of those shots where you feel it. If you stop it with your leg pad, you, you'd feel it yeah. in your leg still. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, if he gets any sort of opening or anything close that you know, you're not gloving or it's not in your chest, it, there's a good chance he's going to find a way to get in. And that's why he's already got 11 goals and he didn't start playing until around Christmas time. So, yeah, he's one of those guys where I'm, I'm not going to say he doesn't have an accurate shot, but like Zeno Char, when you can shoot that hard. 
you're not really <laughs> aiming half the time. You're just trying to get it inside the post and on net. Mm -hmm. And then generally, if there's a hole wherever you're shooting it, you're shooting it hard enough and fast enough that it's going to find that hole before the goalie ha even has a chance to react, let alone get in position to make the save. Or, or uh, there's a rebound or something. Yeah, no, it, it, you're, just, you're just not seeing it. But the Ducks would respond, and mm -hmm. it would be the hottest player for the Ducks over the last couple of games in Troy Terry, where he would get in a, a good position after – Cam Fowler gets the puck on the boards. And and this is one of those typical plays you just say for any player. And it's mm -hmm. such a cliche, but just keep your stick on the ice. And yeah. Troy Terry does that. And he did, makes a perfect deflection past Carey Price. And nothing can go wrong for this kid right now. We're waiting <laughs> for this type of breakout. This is what we expected yeah. from him when all the hype was there at the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, I mean, he again, I mean, back-to-back -back three-point nights for any player. Is great three point uh, three game point streak because he scored a goal uh, two games ago as well. So now that's two goals and four assists over the last few games for Troy Terry. Two goals and five assists, sorry, over the last few games for Troy Terry. Just a amazing run for this kid, and uh, he is taking advantage of the fact that he's playing with some very good line line mates as well. Yeah, for anyone who thinks that going down, you know, to the minors as a young player is a bad thing, uh, I. Give you Troy Terry. I mean, he was he really was not very good in the first 10 games. Went down, had a hell of a time with the goals, came back, completely different player. Someone who's going to stay in the lineup as long as the Ducks are still played, probably go to the goals come playoff time. Uh, but then this guy is, he's, I wouldn't say penciled in, he's, he's inked in to the lineup next season. I just, he's shown enough this season that uh, he's the next wave of young players with uh, speed and talent. Well, he's doing this despite us because we said he was getting better and better and better. And But Max Jones was the guy who looked like he was going to be the guy who was going to score goals and go on this type of run before, uh, you know, about four games ago, before Terry went on this run. And we had a discussion, I think, the, the night before or the podcast before the game he scored where people were wondering, you know, the, I think it was Pat said he had a, a worry or maybe it was a listener. They said they had a worry more about Terry's finishing ability than Max Jones's finishing ability. Lo and behold, <laughs> Troy Terry now is on this role where he is just playing out of his mind. He's been the Ducks' best player over the last three games. And uh, he's just doing it despite us because now – and I, I'm totally fine with it. I'm completely yeah. fine with it because it's really nice to see this kid finally have, you know, his hard work pay off. And, and the same goes for Max Jones who gets his goal tonight. But, again, like as we mentioned at the beginning of the show, yes, it's, it's tank season for the Ducks. And, and yes, Sunday's <laughs> game is the jack-off, so it's been dubbed. Um, but if you're going to win, right, you're, if you're going to win, this is the type of game you want where the kids are playing, or the, at least the two kids are in the lineup, Terry and Jones, are playing out of their mind, playing a good game. And you got Ricard Raquel getting goals in back-to-back -back games, like we said. Adam Henrique's playing well. Silverberg continues to play well. Just a nice game to finally see everybody play at the level we've expected them this year and, and just to see the kids have a, a really another coming-out party. Yeah, exactly. And then even uh, you got the, the young kid scoring goals, but then even the next goal, Corey Perry scores. So even he's scoring goals. And uh, this this is kind of the one that I think uh, Price definitely wants back. Perry kind of outweights him and then just kind of throws it into uh, Price's feet and it just trickles through and goes in. And, and when that's happening at that, at, once I saw that happen, I was like, 
this is just not going to go well anymore. I mean, it's the fifth goal, so you know, yeah. okay, that's a hot hot take after the fifth goal. But when that's happening to Carey Price and it's Corey Perry just throwing it there and it's going in, then it just means everything's going to start going in at some point. So yeah, uh, yeah. So it's great to see everyone scoring goals. And like I said, if you're gonna you're gonna you know win a game, might as well just absolutely blow the team out because uh, at least we'll have that to cheer about. And you no, know, Perry doesn't often celebrate in his goals, and he didn't at all here. But I, I'm starting to wonder if it was because he probably thinks he shouldn't have scored that. Because I think he <laughs> overthought that. I think he was thinking he might pass to Josh Manson for an empty netter. Then I think he decided he was going to make a move, and he didn't do it. He made a couple fakes, and then he just shoots it because he's getting yeah, too close just like to ran Price. out, ran out of space. <laughs> and uh, it, it, it's not a clean shot either. It squeaks through the five hole. Carey Price gets a piece of it enough to slow it down a bit, but it does go in, and it, he's smiling after the play, skating to the bench. So. I'm sure he he didn't expect it to go in after not making a quick decision on that play. But other than that, I mean, Derek Grant with the initial pass into mm. the zone was perfect. It was a great yes. area pass right behind the Montreal Canadiens defenseman to Carter Rowney. And then the backhand shovel pass from yeah. Carter Rowney was great. I mean, Perry was essentially demoted today to the fourth mm. line. And then they didn't look like a fourth line on that play. That was that was one of the nicer setups of the night, one of the nicer entries into the zone, a really quick entry. And they made them pay about five seconds after entering the zone. And nice again, like you said, we completely forgot about it with the eight goals going on tonight. But for Corey Perry to finally get one as well, great night for everybody all around. Yeah, for sure. And that's a, that's a good way to kind of end that second period, be up five to two against a, a, a tired Montreal team. I mean, that's that usually will set up for a pretty good third period. Yeah, and you kind of knew the Ducks were going to start, uh, you know, sit back in the in the third period, up five to two. Like that's that's just kind of obvious for any team, especially with the Ducks. They have a history, especially this year. Anytime they have a lead, and it hasn't been many times this year, but they will sit back <laughs> in the third period, even if it's a one goal lead. And took a couple penalties, Jones for high sticking, but the Ducks killed it off. The penalty kill was pretty strong. They allowed the one power play goal, but they had a pretty good night because Montreal had six power plays. And, you know, Jones, as we mentioned earlier, had a good night on the penalty kill. Carter Rowney's been good on the penalty kill all year. Devin Shore is a nice addition as well. Like the, the Ducks have some really strong penalty killing forwards that not only are good defensively, but have some speed and, and are a threat shorthanded. Uh, Gallagher would get a penalty for slashing. A couple good chances, but Price de- denied both. And then after the power play expires, there's a massive scramble in front, which was, I believe, a two-on-one to begin with. And, yes. Uh, I, I think it was Silverberg and um, Raquel. Raquel. I, yeah. yeah, it was Raquel. I think actually, I think it was Raquel and Shore. Silverberg sure. comes in late. There's a Later. big scramble. Okay. The puck comes out to Silverberg. Raquel makes a nice little move down to the back post and Silverberg mm-hmm. just fires a pass at mm-hmm. Raquel. He gets his stick on the ice, tips it over Carey Price. You know, just an excellent play all around. They probably should have cashed in on the two-on-one. Yeah. It was almost a two-on-zero, really. Yeah. Uh, because once the defender went down. Yeah, yeah Mete goes down. Mete actually makes a really great block. I think uh, Raquel's shot initially was going to go in, but Mete mm-hmm. blocks it with his hand, and, and then obviously Raquel gets in a good position. That Montreal just lets him. Three Montreal players just let him kind of sneak in behind. And uh, but after that, it's all Raquel. I mean, that that's a perfect tip. You've really got it's a hard pass, and you've got to angle your stick 
in a way that that's going to go into the net, and he does it perfectly. Yeah, and if you if you if you watch the replay and uh, do kind of slow mo, that actually deflects before it gets to Raquel. So that that pass or shot pass that was going actually hits a Montreal defenseman and changes the direction even more slightly. But he still gets the blade on it and uh, goes top shelf. Carey Price lost his stick, and that ends up going in on blocker side. One of those things where just nothing's going right for Carey Price. He really never plays well against the Ducks. I think he's like really close to 90 save percentage going into this. I think he's 0-4 and 0 in, at uh, Honda yeah, Center. The broadcast against, mentioned that, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't have a particularly strong game, and uh, this one uh, wasn't going well for him either. But, yeah, it was good to stick with the play because in the past they'd get that one chance, and then it's over. If it didn't go in, they're not getting it back. They're not getting another chance. People aren't getting open. People aren't deflecting the puck. It's just one and done. So this is kind of where we've been waiting for the Ducks to, to be in there. They're fine-tuning that more and more as we go along. They're, they're, it's not just one and done. They're, they're on the puck. They're, they're getting the puck back if they need to. Yeah, let's get to the final two goals of this game to wrap up the third period. It's a, <laughs> a goal from Adam Henrique at number seven. I have no idea what Gary Price is doing on this play. He's generally one of the better puck handlers in this league. But, you know, he's having a bad night. It's six to two. He yeah. throws the pot of that without looking. I don't think his defenseman was really paying attention, but it is also a great play from Troy Terry to step mm -hmm. in there and intercept it. And then from there on out, Carey Price is just swimming. Troy Terry throws a strike up the middle of Adam Henrique, who, you know, all the credit to Price for actually getting a piece of this yeah. and, and trying to keep it out. <laughs> and it, it, in the end, it's not his night, and it kind of just rolls and squeaks its way past him into the net, and, and it's a touchdown for the Ducks in the third point right. of the night for Troy Terry. Yeah, that was a weird one, a, a mishandle. Um, he was getting pretty close to that no play zone for goalies uh, outside of the trapezoid. So he's kind of sitting on that corner there and then had to make a decision. Why, you know, why he kind of came out and tried to do it, I don't know. But uh, the, the pass didn't have enough oomph behind it. Took a little too long to get to his defenseman behind there. And the Ducks, uh, on a time where, you know, in the past, they would have sat back and they might throw one person in on a forecheck, maybe at this point, or pretty much they wouldn't. Uh, but they had a guy forechecking all the way down there, another guy out in front, and it creates that turnover and that more chances. But, yeah, you kind of, you kind of feel for Carey Price because you know how good he is, and when it's that bad and you just you start racking up seven goals again. So, like, yeah. all right. Well. I'm surprised he was still in there after the second period, had to be a, honest. Had a very Patrick Waugh feeling to it, didn't it? Yeah, but I believe Montreal played last night, I think. Or they either they either played last night or they played tomorrow night, and Niemi had already played a game. So I think it's yeah. tough to say, oh, we're just going to throw this other guy who just played a full game into the net. But, yeah, yeah it was a tough one. It's it's not one you want to see for Carey Price. Obviously, if you're a Ducks fan, it was pretty fun tonight. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, we'll take it. <laughs> it's tough. And this is the goal everybody's been waiting for to get Yay! to. 11 seconds left. <laughs> as, if, as, as if this game couldn't get any better, Max yeah. Jones breaks in and doesn't score just any goal. I mean, yeah. he, he shoulders a guy off, enters into the zone, makes a nice move to cut into his forehand and just fires it, snapshot, past Carey Price. <laughs> uh, again, probably one Price would want back, but the reaction from Max Jones is priceless. He skates to the bench. He's talking <laughs> to himself. He's shaking his head. He's just, he's, you know, having a, a nice <laughs> a puff in and puff out of breath. And yeah. then they, they show the celebration after he scores where he just looks up to the sky. He's got his hands in there. He's like, oh, thank, thank God. And it's so funny because that moment re reminded me of the interview when we had with Max Jones. We talked to, to him about his time in London where he was putting up the goals, but he just couldn't get any assists. And he had no idea what's happening. Guys couldn't finish. 
And he said once he finally started getting some, you know, it was a big sigh of relief for him. And uh, mm-hmm. you could see it in his face on that goal. Finally gets it. <laughs> the guy's had more chances than probably anybody in the last few games for the Ducks. And a perfect wrap-up for an 8-2 victory over the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, exactly. You're feeling for the kid. We we talked about it in the last podcast, too. It was just like, I'm just waiting for the first goal because the longer it doesn't happen, the more of a thing it is. And it already is a thing. We just need that goal. Get that first goal out of the way and then just watch everything just fall into place a lot better. Because like you said, not only has he been getting chances, he's been creating his own chances. And if you can do that in this league, you're going to have success. And it's just a matter of time for those goals to come in. So hopefully catch up bottle and there's a lot more to, to follow behind it but i don't know what i liked more the the awesomeness of him driving out from his own end to make the move to score against one of the top goalies in the nhl or the actual reaction he had after scoring because you could just read what he was thinking just in his face (laughs) it's just like thank you it's over i can (laughs) rest i just don't have to build on this anymore it's over (laughs) so that that was funny and then troy terry on the uh, bench you know, him just losing his that mind. Was great too. Too. He was so, he was so excited for him. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that, let's get into that because I, I think that's something we definitely have to talk about. Not only Max Jones getting his first goal, but the whole ketchup bottle theory now for, for him is, is this going to be the start of something for Max Jones? I, I kind of feel like we've seen that with Troy Terry and the last few games where it, it seems like he's got more comfortable. Now the points are coming for him and Max Jones finally breaks the seal, gets mm-hmm. the goal. And now, hopefully, that means you know more good things to come from him. And and I would bet the, the, the amount of chances he's been getting, get a couple chances before he scored tonight as well, where he probably could have gotten a goal. So if he keeps getting these chances and, and now has some more confidence, he's got that first one off the board, he could really get on a roll here, especially the way Troy Terry's playing too. And if he gets more chances on the top line with Ryan Getzlaff. Yeah, if... if... I mean, at this point, I, I could probably imagine he should have somewhere closer, like seven or eight goals, just given the grade yeah. A chances, the all alones. And it's one thing or the other. Generally, it's a goalie making an insane save, which that's that's going to happen. That's, a, you know, the luck of the draw sometimes. But the fact you're getting chances and he knows how to score and he's, he's shown it in the minors, it is just a matter of time for, for that puck luck to kind of go his way. So uh, I, I think it is kind of the start of it. You know, I, I don't know if he's going to get another goal next game, but I wouldn't be surprised anymore. It's it's a weird thing where you get one and then all of a sudden he's like, there we go. Oh, yeah, there we go. But if he didn't get that first one for whatever reason, those other ones would have been stopped too for, I don't know, it's just the hockey gods deciding when they want you to, to, yeah. to feel like you accomplished it. <laughs> he earned it. And Troy Terry, as we mentioned earlier, he's – He's finding his form now, obviously. Seven points over the last three games. And back-to-back three-point nights for him. Just uh, an unbelievable stretch for him. I mean, this guy could finish out the street. The season as one of the Ducks' most productive forwards. I could really see it happening. The, the, the confidence he's having. And, you know, one of the criticisms of Troy Terry at the beginning of the year is he wasn't creating things for himself. You know, he was he was a guy who had a great chance at the beginning of the year, starting with Ryan Getzloff on the top line with Ricard Raquel. And he was just kind of a guy that was on that line. He wasn't really getting a position. He wasn't really creating anything. And, you know, the only chances and points that he put up were because he was in the right space at the right time and somebody found him with the pass. Now it's the complete opposite. And it's what we've seen from Max Jones pretty much since he had the call-up, where he's making things happen. And now Troy Terry is doing that. I mean, you look at the past, he doesn't even, he could have had four points on this mm-hmm. night because on the Devon Shore 
goal. That's all him. He makes mm-hmm. a play to keep it in, ships it past two players, cuts back and fires a pass over the, the cross the cross ice to I think it was uh, Nick Ritchie. And then obviously Nick Ritchie's shot gets deflected by Perry and Shore puts in the back of the net. Mm-hmm. But that is all Troy Terry on that play. And then add to that, that the fact that he had three points tonight, that's the big difference for me in his game is he's now creating plays for himself and creating plays for other people. And it's mm-hmm. not... You know, he's driving play on a line, and that's not something we'd seen from him in the NHL this year. So this this means good things for him because we've seen guys, and not to get on Maxim Comtois because he did have a good start to the year, but the difference, I think, Maxim Comtois was playing well, but I don't know if he was creating things for himself. You kind of saw that in the underlying numbers where he was the beneficiary of who he was playing with, and he was taking advantage of his opportunities. But now you've got Troy Terry who is generating offense on his own, and I think that's huge for his development. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, Troy Terry kind of fell into that uh, thing that most young players who get a chance to play with Getzloff do, and that is let Getzloff have it and then just try and be in a good spot. And, you know, you just he'll get you the puck, so just be ready at all times for a puck and then do something with it. And uh, a little bit of the tentativeness uh, that he had early on. But uh, since he's come back, like you said, he's he's doing things he never used to do. That's holding on to the puck. He's looking people off. If there's a puck there, he's, he's tipping it up. He's trying to go around. He's putting it between people's legs. So, like you said, he's, he's taking the initiative or the drive to create offense. And that's what you want to see. That's a confidence builder. If it starts working, you start trusting in your abilities, and you start getting those chances. So it's definitely been a nice uh, upgrade and one that's going to kind of really – make him part of the Ducks organization from this point forward. He's making a case. No, we, we said he'll be in the discussion. He should be for the lineup next year. He's making a case to be a lock, like you said, yeah. for, for the lineup next year, if he's going to finish the season this way. And obviously, you know, he'll still have to prove himself at the beginning of next year, but it's going to be hard to keep him off if he keeps playing like this. And the same goes for Jones. And another guy who we thought might be traded at the deadline, who the chat is, is telling us not to forget here, is Daniel Sprong. <laughs> And the way he's been playing, and somehow he's a guy who still finds himself healthy scratched every now and then. And and I, I get it, he's a one-dimensional player, but when he had a shot like that, and you know, he's got I think ten on the year now, or, or, or ten with I think ten on the year or ten with the ducks, but all, he's been, all. he never had a goal with uh with Pittsburgh. Yeah, so it's it's like ten and thirty-five games for Anaheim. That's over a twenty goal pace over the yeah. entire season. That's not a guy you just kind of give up. And the ducks have another year on a very good contract, an RFA-type contract, with um, with Daniel Sprong. You know, he's making a case as well to be a big part of this team. And you know, now you, you look at the right side, and you've got Perry, Cassius, Terry, Sprong. Like, it's it's looking pretty it's good. Up. And it's filling even, up now. <laughs> and there's not a lot of space for guys. Silverberg is another guy you got to consider. He's on the right side as well. On the left, you've got Jones, you've got Richie, and you've got Max and Comtois, possibly Ricard Raquel. So... The Ducks have a lot of spots that they're going to have to fill next year, and a lot of guys aren't going to be able to make the lineup right off the bat. But Daniel Sprong is definitely making a case, especially when you have a guy like that who is on a 20-goal space and has a 20-goal uh, pace and has a shot like that. Yeah. He has to have his name in, in the discussion now. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, and given the Ducks' uh, injury history, I'm sure they're going to want as many people around as possible next season because uh you know i just have a feeling we're going to kind of be in the same boat again uh and so yeah i mean it'll be fun to watch them battle out but hey that competition is what really kind of drives uh players to be a little bit better your your spot's not uh, too warm right now so 
keep playing yeah. because uh, if you're if you're not up to snuff, then we have other guys who are hungry and want that chance. No, exactly. And uh, one one thing we talked about earlier, and I'm moving on to the the, the defense. Man, jeez, I can't talk today. God damn. Fear Canadian. That's all right. Yeah, it's like two in the morning too. So like, <laughs> cut, cut me a break here. But I guess. Cam, Cam Fowler. <laughs> Playing on his offside is something mm-hmm. we talked about at the beginning of the show. He's been doing that ever since Brendan Gooley has been a part of this team. Or I think actually the second game second, uh, that yeah, Brendan Gooley yeah. was a part of here and then that they finally got put together. Mm-hmm. But can this really be the future for Cam Fowler? There was talk about the Ducks having to now go out and get another right shot defenseman mm-hmm. to make up for losing Brendan Montour. And I was in that camp a bit as well because now you you literally only have Josh Manson. The next best guy after that seems to be Holzer Andy Walensky. You don't have mm-hmm. a lot of options on the right side. But if Cam Fowler can make a home there, and he seems like he's doing it pretty well. You know, yes, the Ducks are playing well as a whole, and, you know, that's going to help his game, and he's been playing really well. But you know, he's not playing with the best guys. He's playing with Brandon Gooley and Jacob Larson. And he's done well with both of them where he's been on the offside. I mean, this is an interesting situation. I don't think we would have ever thought of for Cam Fowler. But, you know, could he could he be the, the right the right defenseman the Ducks need? And then you have a lot of guys who can move up on the left side? Why not? I mean, they, they kind of got that long jam on one side and, you know, a bunch of openings on the other side. So uh, move them over. And like, like I said, uh, I think the style that the Ducks play now is way more suited for Cam Fowler. Um, and so whether or not he's on one side or the other, it changes maybe a little bit of how he defends. But quite honestly, he doesn't, doesn't really defend all that well one way or the other. His, his bread and butter is if he can skate, if he can chip in on the offense, if he can facilitate passes out. And sometimes, you know, changing up a little thing, like what side he's on, may end up working. And uh, like I said, I've never never understood why they have to be on that side to be successful. I mean, it's just where your stick is. It's kind of more like a percentage play. You put them there, if A, they're comfortable, and B, their stick's going to be in the right spot against most oncoming forwards if you're trying to defend. But if you're trying to push the, the envelope offensively, you know, let him be on the other side. Let him be a little bit more free-flowing. I think uh, this style suits Cam, whether he's on the left or right side. Yeah, I mean, he's he's been excellent all, all to his credit since mm-hmm. the move. And it's not easy for guys to always move over to that side. And, you know, he's been one of the Ducks' best defensemen, too, especially when he was paired with Brandon Gooley. They were really putting together a good partnership. But yeah. you know, another thing I want to talk about, it was Corey Perry finally getting the boot, I guess you could say. And he's been playing well, but down to the fourth line. But it, it didn't seem like that. I mean, you, you look on the night, the, the Ducks' best line for generating chances and, and just generating shot attempts was the Ducks' fourth line. It was yeah. <laughs> Derek Grant, Carter Rowney, and Corey Perry. They were at the top. They were the only uh, three guys well above 50% in, in Corsi percentage. The only other two at 50% were Derek, uh, were Daniel Sprong and Ryan Getzlaff. Everybody else was down below. And, and that's a little bit because the Ducks made a lot of their work on the power play and special teams. And then also because Montreal had a big push in the third period as well, which kind of sewered a lot of the numbers for, for these guys. But yeah, the only the only team, the only line on the Ducks that seemed to be unaffected by that was this fourth line. And you know, maybe you know, I, I think going into the next game, you, you gotta assume we're gonna see the exact same lines. <laughs> I don't think yeah. they, they changed up too much <laughs> unless Ryan Kessler is ready Kessler, to go. But yeah. I mean, at this point, man, and we'll get into it after this, but if you know it's his hip again, is it really worth playing him at all for the rest of this year like he he's 
that's always why he's going to be out. And it, it, he's obviously struggling, continues to, to struggle. And I know he just hit a thousand games and he is a warrior, but mm-hmm. it, it's tough to say, like, should we put him back in the lineup? Like, let this guy just sit out for the, the remaining 14 games of the year, or 13 games of the year, and just relax and not have yeah. to worry about it. The Ducks aren't in a playoff push. If he's still having issues, let him sit out and get healthy or get healthier at least. Yeah, and that's kind of up to, to, you know, Bob Murray and uh, Kessler. I mean, they're going to have to decide. Today was just kind of a maintenance day, take a little bit of a breather um, and, you know, kind of see where it's at. So I don't think there's anything bad. I mean, he's just he's going to have to play through this pretty much the rest of his career, no matter what. I don't think all that much rest is even going to matter all that much because I think it's just something that he's got now. So it's just something where they're, they're going to take it a little bit um, – you know, game by game. And, uh, you know, Bob Murray's going to try and reel him in. He's going to want to try and push back out. But, uh, yeah, like you said, at this point, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for him to have to be in there. But at the same time, if he wants to play or he feels he can play, uh, I don't quite see, a, you know, necessarily a huge problem with him being, you know, the fourth line center. I mean, at this point, it's 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 all right with me. You can shut him down if you want. But like I said, I don't think there's really one way that's going to make him any better from this. He's, he's His hip is shot, so... Yeah, and, you know, one more guy that I think we have to mention, a lot of guys had good games today, but Jacob Larson playing with Cam Fowler, they were, I believe, the most used pairing at 5-on-5. Yeah, they were. So Cam Fowler played 17-52, 5-on-5. Jacob Larson played 16-46. And then you look at Lindholm and Manson. Lindholm played 13-31, and Manson played 14-49. And Larson also had two assists tonight. Was on the ice for three goals for only one against. I mean, this was a solid game all around for him. And, you know, he talked about, I think they said on the broadcast, that he was really excited to get back into the Ducks lineup. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Brandon Gooley hasn't even skated since being injured. It's been three games, and he hasn't even hit the ice. So this could be, a, a, you know, a long stint for Larson to play with Cam Fowler here. And he's making a case that when Gooley comes back, if he comes back this year, that he might not be the guy that gets sent down. And I know you have to send Magna through waivers and obviously Holzer, but Holzer wouldn't be a guy who gets picked up. Yeah. But but Larson really, you know, had a strong game tonight. And uh, it's nice to see him do well because he struggled at times to, to stick in the lineup. Not not really at the fault of his own sometimes because he's, he's one of the easier guys to send down to the AHL. Nice. But it's, it is it is really nice and, and really exciting to see him have a strong game and hopefully build on that in the next few games that he's able to play here. Yep. Everyone's in uh, tryout mode for next season at this point. So continue to have good games and continue to have uh, longer looks and uh, Bob Murray's, you know, willing to reward you if you are playing well. So it's uh, keep playing well and you keep staying in the lineup. Exactly. Well, let's move on to some of the fan questions we have here because we're getting late in the show and uh, we got a lot of fan questions today, which has been a nice change. Um, so let's let's hit up Twitter first. And Tom says, time to reconsider if Troy Terry can be a legit NHL first-line player. I don't know if this is a shot at me because I've routinely said that he's a second- or a third-line guy, which I might be eating my words at this point. But I, I don't know if it's time to consider if he's a first-line player yet. I'm very excited from what I've seen from Troy Terry. It's been a, a nice run of three games for him so far. But... You know, I got I got to see I got to see games. a little bit more. Three I, I gotta, games. He's, he's <laughs> played well since getting called back up. Let's just say that. But the points have started to come over the last three games. 
Does yeah. he look like he could be a first-line player if he continues to play like this? Sure. And yeah. he, he seems to be doing a lot of things right that I was criticizing him of before. Like I said, he is controlling play on his own. He's generating his own chances. He's generating chances for other players. He's driving play on his line. If he continues to do all that, he definitely has a legitimate shot at being yeah. a first-line player. Yeah, I, I didn't want to say I, I told you so because you and Pat were oh, very, yeah. very, very Definitely happy about what Max Jones was so. doing. Uh, but I said Max Jones has been doing great. He's been awesome. Troy Terry, though, has also been really awesome. It, it just what I started to notice is is that four check, even when we were on the Randy Carlisle system, no other no one else was doing a four check, it seemed like on the dumps. They would dump it in and change it. He would dump it in and I would watch him go and just have tenacity after the puck and go get it. Um Add in the skill that he's got there, the fact that he can be annoying on that forecheck, and he's hungry for the puck. I don't know what else you want on a first liner uh, other than that. I mean, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of how Kasha plays. Uh, Kasha, I think, obviously, at this point, is a little bit better. But, I mean, if this is just Terry scratching the surface early on and he's gaining that confidence, I don't see how you could really kind of hold him back too much longer. Uh, on that top line role. So I've loved the way he's played since he's been back from the beginning. Um, and it's, you know, taken a little time to get those points going, but now he's got it and kind of same thing as Max Jones. I'm, I'm waiting to see what Max Jones is going to do now that you start getting some of that, those goals and that confidence. So I think Terry's definitely first line material may not be next season, but if it is, I'm, I'm not surprised. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see. Cause in yeah. my he's going to have still, to push somebody out. That's what he's going to have yeah, to do. Yeah, exactly. He's going to have to push out uh, Andre Tachi. He's going to have to push out Jakob Silverberg, who signed a new contract extension. And, and in my mind, a legit first-line NHL player is a either 30-goal scorer or a 60-point guy like Ricard Raquel is. And, mm-hmm. Or like Ricard Raquel was for the last two seasons. <laughs> so does he have that in him? It looks like he could. But we'll have to see over a full season and, and him getting these chances of playing this well if he can really be a 60-point a guy, 50, 60-point guy. But, uh, you know, all signs are looking good for him to trend in that direction. Uh, Brett says on Twitter, remember when you wanted to trade away our top two goal scorers, <laughs> referring to Jakob Silverberg and uh, Adam Henrique? Henry, I will yeah. still stand by trading Jakob Silverberg at the deadline because it's what the Ducks should have done <laughs> for asset management. And I will also stick by trading Adam Henrique because it makes sense to have to do that if you want to eventually move in Sam Steele and you want to move in Isaac Lindstrom. It well, makes sense. And I and I know you want, to, you want to keep the vets around and it makes sense to have them around. And I know you think the Ducks are going to be a more uh, a competitive team quicker than I do. But I will still stand by both of my opinions that Silverberg should have been moved and Henry, they should have explored at least moving him at the deadline or at the draft. Uh, who wants to do ask that question? Uh, Brett. Brett, you see what I have to deal with? You see what I have to deal with with these two? <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I mean, like, like I said, I mean, you're gonna have you're gonna need, need some veteran presence there. And why would you try and trade Silverberg? I felt this season, especially the first half of the season under Carlisle, no one was gonna be successful. Somehow Silverberg still was fairly successful, even if you if you count in. You know, his goals per game, he was still looking to be a 20-goal scorer throughout this season. He missed some time with injuries. Uh, and I, I just wanted to see him under the new system, the new, more offensive-driven system, because in my opinion, he could be 25-30 goal scorer. And I, I don't think you, you find too many 25-30 goal scorers all that often. And to try and do asset management, to bring in Steele or Lundstrom, you know, center drivers, I just... 
it didn't make a whole lot of sense for me at this point when the Ducks are still, in my opinion, going to be competitive. I'm just washing away the beginning part of this season, unfortunately, the rest of this season. But I want to see where these guys, you know, fall into the mix because they have offensive gifts if they were just been utilized during the season. We're talking about guys. Uh, Henrik could be a 20, 25 goal scorer. Uh, Silverberg, 25, 30 goal scorer. So uh, those aren't necessarily the easiest things to go out and find, even if you get young players, to, you know, as a return. No, exactly. And, and, you know, Silverberg, if he's going to be a consistent, you know, 25 goal scorer, Adam Henrique is generally a consistent 20 goal scorer as well. So they, I mean, they, I, I'm not going to say that they're not valuable players to keep around. They definitely are. But, you know, and, and at least in Silverberg's case, if you're looking at asset management this year, probably would have made more sense to trade him at the deadline and then maybe even still explore re-signing him in the offseason. Again, I'm not against re-signing the guy. I'm just, the, the timing of it for me is what kind of threw me off. Um, Alex originally asked, do the Ducks sign Sprong without knowing that he is signed through next year <laughs> and uh, yeah. is a pending RFA after that? So, All right, uh, I'm we'll... gonna go. I'm, I'm gonna go on the limb here and say yes. Yeah, he, he's he'll be back next season. We have it on good sources. Yeah, we cap friendly <laughs> says that he is signed under contract for next season, so he'll be back for sure. Yeah. Uh, Keith says Keith from our Patreon says. 13 games left. Does, does this team have a late playoff push in them? Not a popular question. No, there's there's almost no way, uh, including this win. So I think they have something like 14 games left or 13 games left. 13. Uh, yeah, they have thir- game thir- 70 yeah. is on Sunday. Yeah, so they have 13 games left. If they go ahead and win all 13, meaning they had to go 14-0, and 0, that's three games longer than the longest streak this season they'd still be at 89 points and uh, no one has done under 90 points and made the playoffs in at least five, six, seven years, or probably even longer than that. That's as far back as I looked back when I was contemplating if 91 points could have been uh, obtainable for a playoff spot where they would have had to go 15 and 0. So the season's done. There is no playoffs uh, almost mathematically. It's just a matter of time. Uh, And I don't foresee them going. I think they still have, uh, a game or two against Calgary. Um, and then they still have a lot of good teams ahead of them. Yeah. I mean, you, you look at their next game after uh, LA, it's Nashville. Then they play Arizona again, who's in a playoff Win- spot. Or looking for a playoff spot. They yeah. play Colorado, who's fighting for a playoff spot. Florida is still in the hunt yeah. for the playoffs. Winnipeg, Winnipeg, San Jose. Then you have LA, Vancouver, and then Calgary and Edmonton to finish out the month of March. Yeah. So there, there's some tough games against very good teams, some games against some, um, playoff teams or teams who are in the push for the playoffs and then you know thinking the ducks right now being it's 89 points you have to win out you know you have to win 12 or i guess it would be 13 games in a row right to get to that point but even then you're you're at 89 points and 89 points does not get you into a playoff spot you know if you're under 90 you You'd hope for um, a wild card, but it's almost impossible under 90 to get in the playoffs anymore. It hasn't happened in the new playoff format. Well, well, that could happen this year, honestly, because of how bad a lot of these teams are. That they there could be <laughs> that, a team but, that finishes under 90. But but again, the Ducks can't even get to 90, even if they win out. <laughs> they'd have to so, win, yeah, including this game, they'd have to win 14 in a row. No team has done that. St. Louis, who just you know showed that they could you know run over us whenever they felt like it. Uh, they were the ones who have the longest winning streak, and that's 11 games. Uh, and before that was Tampa Bay with 10. We're not at that level anyways, yeah. let alone just go past it and have 14-game winning streak. It's just 
Yeah. It's a nice thought. As mathematically, it's possible, I suppose, but a lot well, of yeah. and they play million the things that have to go right. <laughs> they play four teams that are right in front of them as well. They play Vancouver, Edmonton, Colorado, and Arizona. They don't play Dallas and Minnesota, who currently hold the wild card spots. Both of those teams would have to t- uh, just fall off the face of the earth, which I wouldn't put it past either of those teams because they've done it in the past, especially Dallas last year. And, and Dallas last year had the worst month of March I've almost ever seen of a team that was pushing for a playoff spot, and they ultimately missed because of it. Yeah. But it would take a historic run from and Minnesota. Anaheim, Min- yeah. But it and and Minnesota's it. playing well, and they just beat Tampa Bay. I mean, so in my mind, I think Minnesota is, is kind of solidifying their spot. Colorado is is in the mix there. They, they've kind of had a little bit of problem lately. They just la- lost Landeskog uh, for four to six weeks or something like that. But, I mean, there's there's a lot of teams that are, are in a way better position to hold on or grab those spots before the Ducks ever do. Um, OC Ducks fan on Twitter kind of uh, asked a question that we talked about a bit. He says, Did, does tonight open up the ketchup bottle for Jones? Do the French fries get drenched? <laughs> That's weird. They played a French-Canadian team. They had a French fry joke. I like how he tied it in. Um, yeah, I like I said, I, I think so. That's kind of how goal scoring goes sometimes. Uh, when you are a good goal scorer and he's been a good goal scorer in the minors, you just need that first one. Get that first one, monkey off the back, whatever it is. They just start going in easier after that. Uh, not a guarantee, but you know, uh, that's even what Tamu Solani would have problems with sometimes. It just it starts to become a thing and then it stops becoming a thing. Everything kind of kicks back. That's goal scoring, especially if you're new to the NHL and you're that young you'll have a little bit of inexperience um, and you'll have those streaks. So I think I'm hoping that goal scoring drought streak is over. Yeah. And, and as, as well as he's played, you always have those nerves until you get the first one too. Yeah. And like, am I ever going to score? You get to just, point saw where you can see him just today. melt away after yeah. he got that goal. He was so happy. <laughs> yeah. And, and now you've got that confidence. You, you, you've got the first one out of the way, like everybody always says. And now, yeah. you know, Hopefully they start to come and, and kind of on that same question, this one's directed at me because you do believe the Ducks can be competitive next season. Uh, Apparition said with how much of an impact the Ducks young players are making, has it changed my mind that they can be competitive next season? Um, no, no, it, it, I don't think they can be competitive. If you're, if it, it depends on what you mean by competitive, can they make the playoffs next year? If Troy Terry continues playing the way he is, and if Max Jones does, if Ricard Raquel gets back to where he was in a full season of Andre Kasha, sure, they can be close to a playoff team next year, especially if you have John Gibson for the entire year. Yeah, I think they can be competitive in that sense. Can they be a contender? No. I don't think they're a Stanley Cup contender with the team that they have next year. I think it'd be a stretch by any means to say that they could be a Stanley Cup contender. But if you think competitive is fighting for a playoff spot, then sure. I think if everything goes well for the Ducks next year and if the kids continue playing the way they are and having the same type of impact, then I think they can be competitive in that sense. Yeah, I think if they're healthy, they can be competitive. Um, you could, you know, break, if you want to break up the NHL into, you know, 10 teams, I know there's an odd one out there, the bottom third, the second third, or the top third. Um, I think next season under the right style, I think everyone takes a giant step up in their goal production. And that's all the Ducks really needed this year was a lot of goal support that they couldn't get when Gibby was saving their ass the whole season. Um, I think they will play a lot less defense. So if they stay healthy, in my opinion, they're teetering between the, the top, the middle tier and the top tier. I don't think they're top, you know, eight. But, I mean, I think they could be one of those top 10 teams in the NHL uh, next season if they, they continue playing this style or something similar to it where it's offensive-driven. Um, given just what we've seen in the short amount of time, 
uh, on this changeover. I, I just can't wait to see what Kasha can do under this uh, new style of play. You know, Getzloff is making smart plays now. I mean, it's just I, I can see so uh, such a big leap from what was the beginning of this season. This was being played yeah. the entire season. We'd be talking about the Ducks, you know, top of the, the Pacific Division or fighting for the top of the Pacific Division. Yeah, but it is a small sample size of the, the Ducks playing well. And, you know, you, who, who knows if this stretch can continue over the entire season. I mean, look at the St. Louis game. And they, they still have their flaws. They collapsed in the final minutes sure. of that game. They did it against Chicago. So it isn't just a one-off either. So they still do have their flaws. So, yeah. yes, it's been nice. They've been playing better for sure. Because even in those games, they did play better. And they were in it until the end. So yeah. I, I, I do like what they've been playing. But then you have to remember, too, they're bringing in a new coach next year. So that could either be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on how well that works out. So there's a lot of there's a lot of question marks for next year, which is worrying, but it also is exciting as well because you can see a new coach, a lot of young players, hopefully take a next step forward. So it will be uh, interesting. And on that same note, Jimmy has a question from Instagram. He says, Jimmy. "How many goals do you think Terry scores next year?" Um, He's got four right now. I I could see him uh, get into twenty. Um, I I you know. He, it's it's difficult. I mean, he's got more confidence now. Um, you know, I'm sure he's going to have things he wants to work on in the off season to get even a little bit better. Um, but everything he's showing now is kind of why there's been so much high praise. Uh, it took him a while to kind of get there, but I, I think you know, especially if they if it comes in and Dallas Eakins ends up being the the coach, which you know, uh, multiple reports is he's the front runner for that position uh, at this point. <clears throat> um, if he's doing that and Troy Terry flourished under those uh, that that type of coaching, uh, then I can't see why he can't obviously have way more production than he is this year. Um, it's always difficult to see if they're going to have a, a you know a breakout sophomore year. Sometimes there's a little bit of regression, but I really wouldn't consider this much of a rookie year uh, since he's been here about half the time anyways and under a different coach for a good portion of that. So I could see 20. Uh, it'd be tough to get 25 or 30 or anything like that. I don't think. I think at some yeah. point he'll probably get there because the NHL now it's scoring's scoring's going around. So everyone's getting a chance at it. So I think 20 next season is is reasonable. Yeah, I, I tend to be in the same area. I think you know if he has a good year, he can hit 20, and and I think he'd be like a 20, 30 type guy, 20 goals, 30 assists, 50 points in a good year for him, and and I think that would be a huge step forward for for him as a player. You know, 50 points in this league is, is very good, and it puts you in, in a pretty good category as a, a top six player. So I, I definitely think that could be the range for Troy Terry next year. And um, Caitlin has the last question from Instagram, and she says, do you think Daniel Sprong is on the team next year, or does he get traded before we even get to that point? There's there's a possibility. Um, that's, that's a question I would love to ask, you know, Bob Murray. Uh, we're going to the breakfast tomorrow, so I might get a chance. I don't know if we're allowed to ask yeah. questions or not. What's he going to say to that? Yeah, are you, you going to trade Daniel Sprong? No, He's not necessarily like, yeah. that, but just like, well, what's the reasoning behind the healthy scratches? That That's what's got me a little concerned because in his play, and once again, I don't know if it's something I don't see – you know, as a forward, he needs to be doing something defensively and he's not doing it or he's, you know, he's cheating to try and create offense and he's leaving his team out to dry. I just don't see that, um, you know, but I may just not have the eyes for it. Um, so I, I'd more or less ask, you know, why is he being a healthy scratch? Is it something else? Is it something in the locker room? If it's something in the locker room or they don't think his defensive style is going to mesh well with this team. Uh, then I could see them making a move, you know, at the uh, draft because that's when Bob Murray likes to wheel and deal. That's that's his wheelhouse for trades. 
So uh, it's a possibility because I don't think he's going to want to trade too many of the other assets that have shown, at least in this short time, that it's really kind of, uh, you know, they're ready to play. But Sprong is also a guy that he, he traded to get and um, has put in 10 goals to this point. And he's got some of that offensive flair and a good shot. And he's young. And he signed for another year at a reasonable price. So, I mean, if he's going to put up 15 goals next season, um, then that might be someone you want to keep around unless he's a detriment to team chemistry. No, exactly. I, I totally agree with that. I think Daniel Sprong is earned the right to at least uh, get a tryout with this team next year. And, and, you know, he'll be a part of this team, obviously, because he, he's under contract. But I think he deserves the right to at least see if he has what it takes to beat out some other guys the way he's been playing. But, but you know, that, that brings us to the end of today's game. It's nice to talk about a game like this. We haven't really had a game like this <laughs> all season. So it's uh. nice to, to have a blowout win and you know, it's always a little bit nicer uh, when it goes against the Montreal Canadiens, uh, especially for me. You know, the Montreal Canadiens are my family team, so I get a little bit of gloating rights to, to go back home with and, and uh, hang this over my parents a bit. So that, that's yeah. not, not, uh, not only did we won, we beat you into a corner. Eight goals, yeah. Gary Price. I get Gary it for Price now. Two. I get it for now because if Montreal makes know, right? the playoffs and <laughs> yeah. it, it doesn't matter, then I get to hear about it then. I'm but, sure that's exactly what they're going to do. Or they'll bring up, oh, yeah, how many cups of uh, Montreal yeah, won? Yeah, if they don't yeah, make yeah, the playoffs, yeah. then, they, then it goes back then <laughs> into history. But yeah. uh, a couple things here. Uh, we do have a watch party coming up against uh, the LA Kings. It's not mm-hmm. for this Sunday's game. It's for mm-hmm. the next time they play the LA Kings on Sunday, which is March 23rd. Saturday, um, March 23rd. Oh, is it? Okay, sorry. It's Saturday. Saturday. Um, you want to tell them where it's at? Because I don't remember the place. Yeah, it's Craftsman <laughs> Pizza, which is in uh, Anaheim. Uh, it's it's right off of uh, La Palma and Imperial Highway, which is real close to the 91 Freeway and Imperial Highway. So we're kind of familiar with the, the Anaheim, Yorba Linda area. That's pretty much where it's at, but it's called Craftsman Pizza. And uh, we're going to get the bar area. We really want to try and uh, load up uh, in there. It's our first time there. So we want to impress them with all the fans we have. And we're giving you guys a whole bunch of giveaways uh, and uh, raffles. That's uh, really going to kind of help out the podcast as well. But we got a lot of really cool, neat things uh, to kind of raffle away. So not only get to watch the Ducks-Kings game, uh, battle for the bottom of the Pacific Division, but you also get to hang with us. Yeah, and if you didn't get to hang with us last time, the last time all three of us were there was for the career retirement. Yep. All three of us will be there. I'm making the trip down for this one as well. Woo-hoo. So if you want to hang out with all three of us, this is <laughs> the chance to come out and see us. And I know it's going to be a busy day. There's a lot of things going on, but uh, we, we definitely would love to, even if you can come by for a little bit, just to stop by and say hi. And, and uh, you know, we love to interact with the listeners of this show. So sure. it's great whenever you guys uh, can come out and do that. Uh, again, we're going to give a shout out to Cool Hockey for doing the Forever Mighty Three Stars. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's been great being able to give away the jerseys to everybody this year. Uh, all the people that we just – Cool Hockey just got them in stock, so all the people that were waiting finally got the jersey. So Travis, who won two months ago, got his jersey. Clarissa got her jersey today, and uh, she tagged uh-huh. us in on Instagram. So <laughs> nice. everybody's got their jersey. Of course, they've all been third jerseys this year, and that's why there was an issue <laughs> with Cool Hockey getting them in stock. But uh, we are in the midst of what could be the final uh, mm-hmm. for everybody, three stars of the year. So it'll go and extend probably to the end of March. And I think there's only two games in April. So we'll probably include those two games uh, in April and it as well. So you get a little bit of extended time to get into it. There is still time if you haven't competed in it yet to go over and check it out. You know, you have enough time to get caught up. We'll be having an update out probably either tomorrow or after Sunday's game. So you can see where you're standing if you are involved into it. If you haven't heard of it, 
three prediction questions before each game, 45 minutes before puck dropper gets posted on our Twitter. Every question you get right, you get one point. Whoever's leading at the end of the month on the leaderboard ends up winning a free customized jersey from Cool Hockey. So it doesn't cost you anything to enter. All it is is you just got to head over to our Twitter before puck drop and answer three questions. And then you can forget about it for the rest of the night. Then it's my job to tally it up. <laughs> so you don't have to worry about it. If you don't win, you can head over to Cool Hockey anyway. We have our code FM20. If you use that and check out, you get 20% off your order, which is a nice, decent chunk of change off a jersey. So if you don't end up winning, you still want to go out and get a third jersey before the Ducks aren't using them next year, make sure you use it and, and go get 20% off. Cool Hockey is great. The jerseys I have behind me, pretty much all of them are from Cool Hockey, except the Team Canada jersey because that's from Nike. But uh, you guys don't want that anyway. I think most of you are from, from the U.S., so you guys don't want yeah. that one anyway. But they're, they're definitely great, so check them out. And then last but certainly not least, we are recording four Patreon bonus bonus episodes this month for our good friends over at Patreon. And uh, if you haven't checked it, we have four different tiers. If you just want to support the show and you want to go out there, we have a rookie tier, just a dollar per month. You get access to our Discord chat, so you can just come chat with everybody from Patreon, including us, whenever you want. Talk hockey, uh, talk yeah. about the podcast. We're, well, let's see, any, today... Today I was talking about movies because I was trying to find one. So, I mean, th there'll be real random things, but it's, yeah. uh, it's a lot of fun with other Ducks fans and fans of our podcast. So it's a lot of fun on that Discord chat. Exactly. The, the $3 pro tier, you get access to exclusive interviews with hockey personalities and insiders. And you get, uh, again, access to our Discord chat as well and participate in exclusive Patreon polls. Our $5 tier is where the bonus shows come in. For that, you get three bonus shows, the Rant Show, the Q&A Show, and the Monthly Top 10 Show. Those are in the process of possibly getting changed for next year for Patreon, the Q&A, and the Top 10 Show. But for now, those are the three that we have there. And then finally, our Elite $10 tier, you get a fancy Forever mm -hmm. Mighty Puck, puck uh, Bottle, which it is... Mine. It is the texture of a puck, and everybody who's gotten them so far has loved them, so you get that as well. They're so good, yeah. One lucky Patreon supporter per month gets to compete in our monthly game show for exclusive prizes, and you get our most popular bonus show, the Pucks and Brews <laughs> Happy Hour Show, where we talk about just hockey in general, or anything, but mostly hockey yeah. uh, from around the NHL, and, and you get to drink with us if you want to, or you can just come watch us drink and talk hockey, which is also <laughs> fun. Just watch watch the show uh, degrade over time, so it's, yeah. it's kind of fun. Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the length on those always varies depending on how upset and, and how much of a rant you want or, or the arguments yeah. we get in, so those are always fun. And, and again, if you can't if you can't do it, you can't check it out. That's fine. This show is always going to be free. But if you want that extra content, you want to support the show. Our Patreon is always there at Patreon.com/slash/PuckGuysForeverMighty. We will be back Sunday for the Kings game. You can check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook for when we're going to go live and for different updates throughout the game. I don't know. It's going to be one of one of the two of the three of us will be live <laughs> for that game. We'll, yeah. we'll let you know uh, the day of and what's going to be going on there. And we will catch you guys after the Kings game or the jack-off, as it's being called. <laughs> Don't think it's that anymore because the Ducks have put some considerable space on the Kings. But it should yeah. be a good game nonetheless. So we'll talk And for those of you who don't know what we were meaning, it's it's for Jack Hughes, and that's why it's called the Jack. Well, you got to not tell them because then, <laughs> and then it's just right. Oh, sorry. Leave the mystery. Just, just ignore it's that. Yeah. Mystery. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll, we'll talk to you after Sunday's game against the Kings. Bye, guys.